Welcome to Strings Explained, the podcast where we guide you through the world of playing string family instruments such as the violin, viola, cello and double bass. I'm Emma Hardy, a violin maker and repairer based in London. I noticed that many families or adult learners can feel baffled or overwhelmed by the world of violins. So this podcast aims to be your place to find answers to questions like, what is a shoulder rest and why do I need one? Or where the heck can I buy a good violin without taking out a mortgage first? Or just simply, how can I get my child to practice? Throughout this series, we'll be going underneath all the violin-related jargon to make you feel at home in the world of the violin. Episode 3. Taking care of your instrument. In this episode, I'm going to go over the basic care of the violin, viola and cello. This will include how and where to safely store it when not in use, travelling with your instrument, cleaning it and some basic checks that you can do to ensure that the fittings like pegs and the bridge are in good working condition. Taking care of your instrument is so important. A little bit of regular maintenance will mean that you're more likely to catch issues before serious and expensive problems develop. A well-made instrument has the ability to last for a hundred years and more if well looked after. Unlike many other instruments, the violin family instruments, which refers to the violin, viola, cello and double bass, are designed to be fixable. The glue in the joints can be softened so that it can be taken apart, repaired and then put back together again. There has even been cases of instruments smashed into hundreds of tiny pieces being entirely reconstructed. So long as the instrument was made well in the first place, almost anything can be repaired. But of course it might cost you a pretty penny if the damage is really bad. I want to just preface this episode by acknowledging that at times it's going to get a bit technical. This might feel a bit overwhelming if you've only just picked up your instrument, but if you can bear with me I'm hoping that it will give you a base knowledge that you can then go and explore a bit further by using YouTube or other resources to address anything that you maybe didn't understand. You can also get in touch with me via my website hardyviolins.co.uk or on Instagram at Hardy Violins, as I'd be very happy to answer any questions at the end of the next episode. Okay, let's start with storage. Storing your instrument safely when not in use is something I've touched upon at the end of episode two. The safest place for your instrument to live is in its case. This protects it from knocks, from falling off stuff, or dogs with the zoomies. However, I know lots of people like to have their instrument easy to hand as it can encourage more frequent practice. So other good options are having it hung up on a wall, although make sure it is a good quality secure fitting. It will not be good if it falls from its fitting. Or you can also keep it on an instrument stand. You can get stands for cellos and double basses which sit on the floor and keep your instrument securely upright. These can be handy and a good quality one is surprisingly stable. I wouldn't recommend putting your violin or viola on a stand on the floor though as that is just asking to be trodden on or kicked. I usually keep my violin sitting on its side or on its back with a cloth underneath on top of the piano where I know it won't be knocked off. Don't forget about your bow when planning where to store your instrument. 
It's really important that the bow isn't lying awkwardly on an uneven surface or with anything on top of it, as it might cause the bow to warp. You also don't want it anywhere that children with sticky fingers might grab the horsehair. In general, you shouldn't be touching the hair of your bow with your hands, as the oils make the hair slippery, meaning it won't grip the string properly. You also need to be aware of temperature fluctuations. In the winter in the UK, when we all have our central heating cranked up, it can get very hot and then very cold at night when the heating is off and we're tucked up in bed. This going from one extreme to another isn't great for your instrument as the wood will expand and contract which will make pegs slip or cause the seams to open. In really extreme cases this might even cause a crack, particularly if the sound post is fitted too tightly. So it's best to keep your instrument in a part of the house that is most stable temperature-wise, and also away from radiators so that the fluctuations aren't so extreme. Don't forget that direct sunlight can also have a similar effect to being near a radiator, so probably don't keep the instrument near a window that gets a lot of intense light. If you're storing your instrument in its case, pop a cotton or silk cloth over the top of it to protect it from the bow, which is usually stored on the opposite side of the case. This also helps the instrument fit snugly, so it keeps it more secure. Cleaning. It may be a bit boring, but keeping your instrument clean needs to be a task carried out little and often to prevent buildup of rosin and general dirt which can affect the sound and damage the varnish. Every single time you play, tiny specks of rosin will transfer from your bow to the strings and to the body of the violin. This can then adhere to the varnish and eventually be impossible to clean off without damaging the varnish itself. So. Every time you finish playing, make a habit of giving it a really quick wipe down under the bridge and fingerboard area with a microfiber cloth. You can also rub the strings down as they sometimes get a bit clogged by the rosin too. If your instrument ever gets really grimy and you can't easily wipe away the dirt, you can take a damp cloth and a tiny amount of washing up liquid and very very gently rub the area. If this doesn't do the job, you'll need to take it to a repair shop who will be able to give it a clean using special chemicals. They know which ones to use depending on the varnish and what kind of dirt has built up. So this is definitely worth doing rather than risking doing it yourself and damaging it. Never use furniture polish or other household cleaners on your instrument. For cleaning the bow, just wipe the wood down with a microfiber cloth regularly. You can also wash the hair, but this is a little bit involved and I think maybe a topic for another episode or a video for the blog. Okay, that's enough on cleaning. We all hate cleaning, so just focus on the small thing, wiping the instrument and wood of the bow after you've used it, and leave the rest to your repairer. Maintenance checks. This part is a bit more involved and technical. I'll try to describe the bits of the violin I'm referring to as I go, but if you feel at all confused about what I'm talking about, you can do a quick Google of violin anatomy and it should come up with the diagram of all parts of the violin. I'm also intending on putting some videos up soon covering the topic, so keep an eye on my website. Open seams. We'll start by checking for open seams as this is really common. Make sure you're in a room with lots of light or shine a bright light directly onto your instrument so that you can see it properly. Then turn it sideways so you're looking at the ribs. Starting from the neck, check the seam between the ribs and both the front and the back of the instrument. There shouldn't be any gaps and move along the instrument taking particular care to check the contact at the corners which can often get knocked and so come apart from the ribs. Another common area is down at the bottom of the instrument near the chin rest. If you know how to remove your chin rest it might be a good idea to do so now and then check that it isn't just clamping the seam shut. 
If you find an open seam, do not try and glue it back together yourself. Repairers use specialist glues and clamps, so as soon as you can, take it along to be fixed. It's a quick and fairly inexpensive job, particularly if you have other work that needs doing at the same time. Cracks. Cracks can develop as a result of direct impact to the body of the instrument, or simply from fluctuating humidity or temperatures, as mentioned before. Common areas to look for cracks are around the F-holes, around the bridge, particularly where the sound post is, and also down near the tailpiece, which is the thing holding the strings near to your chin rest. Underneath it, there's a black piece of wood called the saddle. Sometimes the saddle is fitted too tightly, and when the wood contracts, it causes cracks in that area. Just like open seams, if you find a crack, this is a job for a trained professional. Bridge positions and grooves. Your bridge is the piece of wood that holds up the strings between the tailpiece and the fingerboard. Over time, this can warp or can be pulled towards the fingerboard because of the tension of the strings. When you look at it from the side, it should be appearing to lean slightly back towards the tailpiece, which is usually just an optical illusion as the bridge is curved on the front. Or it should appear to be straight or horizontal from the body of the violin. If it looks like it's warped or leaning towards the fingerboard, the next thing to do is check the feet of the bridge. The feet are the part that makes contact with the body. There should be no gaps between the feet and the body. If the bridge is leaning forward, you'll see a gap on the back of the feet. If this is the case, you can place a cloth under the tailpiece to protect the body, then slightly loosen your strings and use your thumbs and forefingers to support both sides of the bridge. Very, very gently tilt it back so that it's standing straight. There are lots of videos of people doing this on YouTube, so if you want to do this, go watch a couple of people doing it first. Aluthia can also do this for you. If the foot contact is fine, but the wood is just warped, this also needs to be taken to Aluthia, as at some point the bridge is going to snap, which can cause the tailpiece to crash into the top of the instrument and cause a dental crack, as well as being very loud and giving you a bit of a surprise. Another quick thing to check is the top of the bridge, where the strings meet the bridge. They should be sitting inside little grooves, but they should only be about a third of the string's width inside the groove. So if the wood is completely covering the string, they've eaten into it and the bridge needs filing down or replacing by a repairer. This most commonly happens on the E string, which is why nice bridges have a piece of parchment fitted under the E, and also why E strings come with those little plastic things on them. The sound post. This one is quick. If you notice something is rattling around inside your violin, and when you play it, it sounds hollow and very weird, your sound post has probably fallen down. Loosen the tension of the strings and take it to a repairer. String changing. You should ideally be changing your strings every six to 12 months, depending on how often you play. People who practice more than two hours a day may need to do it as often as every three months. Over time, strings stretch out and so the tuning becomes ununiform and they also tarnish and fray. When changing your strings, you should always do it one string at a time. Your teacher should be able to show you how to do this properly, but if not, there are again, tons of great resources on YouTube for this. A good tip I learned recently is that once you've put your new string on, Take a clean microfiber cloth and rub the string up and down repeatedly with it. This helps to do the initial breaking in of the string and means it will be quicker to hold its tuning. There's always this breaking in period with a new string that is really irritating as they go out of tune every few minutes for a little while. But yeah, rubbing the string with a cloth seems to help reduce this breaking in period. Bow rehairing. Your bow will need rehairing roughly every 9 to 12 months, although this depends on how well you take care of it and how often you play. Rehairing is kind of 
irritating, particularly for parents of children who play, as a rehair often costs more than the value of a student bow, about 50 to 70 pounds. And so lots of people, understandably, just buy a new bow every couple of years. This is a big manufacturing problem that we need to figure out as it's just such a waste of resources for everyone involved, including the player. But anyway, rant aside, if your bow costs a couple of hundred pounds, it's worth rehairing. But if it was 30 pounds or around that, you're better off buying a new one. Some luthiers I know do cut out the hair of old bows and use it to make brushes and other things. So rather than chucking the old bow in the trash for landfill, try and see if any repairers want it. If not, cut out the hair, which can go to landfill, but try to keep the wood until you're next at the dump and can pop it in the wood recycling area. Pegs slipping or sticking. Over time, pegs can wear away the wood of the hole they sit in, so can start slipping or sticking, or sometimes they haven't been fitted very well to start with. Your luthier will be able to advise on whether you need newly fitted pegs, but sometimes they just need a bit of lubrication to help them turn smoothly. You can do this one peg at a time by loosening it, removing the string, and taking the peg paste, which you can buy online, or simply dry soap coated with a little bit of school chalk on the top, rubbing it into the part of the peg that has contact with the peg box of the violet. Be sparing. It's better to put on too little and need to add more than to end up with clogged peg holes from overdoing it. Sometimes peg slipping is to do with how you've positioned the string winding on the inside of the peg box, so that is something to bear in mind. Again, this is worth checking some YouTube videos for more detailed instructions. Travel. Travelling with your instrument is a time when it's likely to get knocked and damaged, so it's really important to make sure that you have a good quality case suitable for the kinds of travel you're doing. You don't need a heavy duty flight case if you're just walking down the road to your lesson, but if you're getting the instrument in and out of a car or going on the tube, you might want to consider a good hard case. The downsides of many hard cases, particularly for cellos, is that they don't often come with rucksack straps, making them more unwieldy to carry. But for violins, you can certainly by hard cases with straps. I have two cases, one that I use for travelling long distances, it has good thick walls and is very solid to protect it against knocks and temperature changes, and the other I use for travelling around London. It is small with a separate bow case that can be attached or detached and sits comfortably as a rucksack. This is great for the tube when I would be rammed in and so could easily just take it on and off and tuck it between my legs at my feet. It's also small enough for standard cabin luggage on an airport so the bow can go in its case within my large suitcase and the violin can safely travel with me in the cabin. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Okay, I think I have probably bombarded you with enough information for one episode. I'm hoping that even if some of this is a bit out of context for you right now, as you start to learn more, you'll hopefully come back and re-listen to different parts that are relevant for where you're at in your violin journey. In the next episode, I'll be doing a much less technical episode as I'll be talking about my experience as an adult learner of the violin and what I wish I'd known early on and what resources are available for other adult learners out there. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love for you to subscribe and leave a review, which helps other people become aware of the podcast. If you're looking for other resources, you can take a look at my website, www.hardyviolins.co.uk, which I'm updating regularly with playlists and tips for parents of children learning instruments and also adult learners.